Over the past year, we've leveraged Vistaprint services to help us on our mission to inspire entrepreneurs of color. They've helped us print stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats. Yes, they print just about everything. My point is, they print a lot more than just business cards. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. I also learned at the time about this term called superposition, right? Which is to be the same person to multiple people, Hmm. but in a different way, Hmm. right? Like that genuineness or that love or whatever, like how I speak to my daughter is different than how I speak to my team, but I still encourage both of them. You Hmm. know what I mean? Or how I collaborate with somebody is different than how I you may speak to my fiance, but it's still partnership. You know what yeah. I mean? It's still collaboration and partnership on something. Different. You wouldn't look at it and say, oh, I can't believe that's him. Right. I'm Bima, and on today's show, I sit down with designer and founder of Supervision, Gavin Matthew. Throughout his career, Gavin has worked with everyone, including entertainers Nipsey Hussle and YG, and he's had multiple brands of his own. Growing up in South Central LA with a strong family unit, his very first connection to creativity came from his father. By the time he was 15, he was introduced to making t-shirts. Gavin immediately took to it and started in his granny's kitchen. Wanting to bring people together, Gavin would start a party series called Just Be Cool, which would become a staple in the community and grew into a movement, even gaining the attention of rapper Dom Kennedy. It resonated so much with the L.A. legend that he became associated with the crew, then taking that to the next level and introducing Gavin to a bunch of new worlds, including taking him to Fairfax in L.A., a cornerstone in the streetwear community. Inspired by 10 Deep and BBC Ice Cream, Gavin knew that designing was something that he wanted to do. His time on Fairfax molded him as a designer and an entrepreneur, but he felt like his story was missing in the community, the Black L.A. story. So he opened his own spot called Youth and became the first Black store owner on the block at just 23 years old. But as a first-time business owner, he still had a lot to learn, and it would eventually close, but it wasn't the end. Gavin was just getting started. In our conversation ahead, Gavin shares a story about the support he received growing up at home. As I got older, I began to realize I was very privileged mm. to grow up with my, the parents that I had and, like, my grandparents and just, like, my grandmother especially, you know. And she, like, career-wise wasn't the most, mm-hmm. but she was just so, she had so much love to share. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me so much confidence. And she's really where I got my, my swag from, yeah. my grandmother. You know, she was just, like... Somebody would tell her, she's like, yeah, I went to the church today. They said, oh, you look good today, Doris. She's like, I ain't never looked bad. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, and she she just taught us, like, no matter how much money you got, no matter what, you always carry yourself in a way. You know, mm. you always have, know your worth, you know. And I, and I think I carry that with me today. And so 
you know, even my pops and there's things that I've pulled from him and his love for like art and just love for helping people. And, you know, he was, he practiced um, law, but he was, you know, uh, practice like civil law, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my, my mom's and she was the entrepreneur who got it from her grandfather. So I got all of these things. I got yeah. my, my grandmother, I got my dad's art, but also community and wanted to do good for people. And then my mom, how to monetize it and making money in business <laughs> and everything. And and then I'm looking at myself and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a byproduct of that, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was privileged, I think, to have that foundation. That's, that's special because you, at a young age, to have that type of nurturing mm -hmm. and to have that type of influence, mm -hmm so close to you mm -hmm. you could utilize it in ways that you wouldn't imagine yeah, yeah. but and, and as you're young you're not thinking about that obviously right <laughs> right you just question like why am i different why do y'all think this way and i think that way mm -hmm. you know why did i and it was a lot of things i could have gone left had i right. not had that like instilling of just you know knowing your worth and love i could have ended up very left you know mm -hmm. and and so you know i think that my just knowing my home and my love and my family was huge for me. You know, mm -hmm. it kept me out of gang shit. It kept me out of a lot of, you know, different situations that um, ended up bad for friends of mine. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. I mean, you definitely got to appreciate yeah. you know, those things. Yeah. Speaking of kind of family and, and some of the things that were pouring into you, you also had like your grandfather mm -hmm. and some of his brothers, right? They had businesses yeah. like real estate and liquor businesses, I yeah. believe. Yeah. What do you remember observing about them in that line of work? So I remember going to their stores, you know what I mean? I remember my uncle being able to give me some free chili cheese Fritos from the back, you know what <laughs> I mean? And not, not have to pay for it, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember hearing all the stories from my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandmother helped my, my grandfather run his business, you know? So I remember hearing the stories and I remember seeing moments like my mom getting pulled over and like the cop finding out what her last name was and, and they had so much respect for my grandfather that they let us go, you know what I mean? Or just like at the church and oh, he opened the gates of the church for years until he passed, you know, gave a lot to the church and they had a lot of respect for him. So, and he did all of this like right there in our hood, in our neighborhood, you know, and so- Didn't have to leave. Yeah, he was a figure to the community, you know, and I think that just seeing that and all his brothers were that way, you hmm. know? It was like, like when you talk about Lamert Park, like my uncles and my, my grandfather were early, like people know them. The yeah. elders know who yeah. they are, you know what I mean? They got their names on signs. They own property over there still to this day. You know, and, I, and I'm like, man, like, all right, cool, I got something You know where do. you're from, yeah, right? Know you know I'm what from. your foundation yeah. is. I think when you know where your foundation is, it's hard to not live up to that, right? Or you don't have to have the issues of like, who am I? Yeah, yeah. Because you know. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and that's, that's a big thing for, I think, a lot of people of color is like not being able to trace their story too far back to where they can connect to and see and understand their worth is more than just... <laughs> slave story you yeah. know it's more than just this it's or like, just working attaching your identity to a company or things like that like absolutely life is much more right? absolutely what was your earliest connection to to art and creativity right like i think i recall there's a story around like when you were five like mm -hmm. kind of art and painting somewhere started to enter the picture mm -hmm. what was happening um it was through my pops you know my my pops was like i mentioned a uh, lawyer but he would always be up late night just working and reading huh. and documents. And then it was one night I went in his office and, and he was in there like drawing and, and doodling and actually was, he had a, you know, laptop back then or like a PC. And 
he had, you know, the Microsoft Paint program, you know, which is interesting because I ended up doing this partnership with them later. Yeah. But it was him that really draw, told me like, all right, you know, just draw oval and then put these lines through and put the nose here and put the eyes. Now you got a face. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm, but I, what stuck out to me the most was like, that was his therapy, you know, and he mm. didn't try to make it his business. That was his passion. You know, he was like, I'm, this is my work, but I escaped like this, you know, yeah. I escaped through my art. You know, he was an incredible artist. Like, so. Do you still have uh, any things that he created? Yeah, um, I do. I actually have one uh, illustration thing that he had drawn when I was a kid. But I have a lot of things that I, that I did as a kid, too. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome, man. Like, that's the, like, those are those little memories that you take with you, right? Like, yeah. especially whoever knows what happens in the business or mm -hmm. in the process. It's like you need something to kind of keep you grounded yeah. some days. There's this thing about this table in your grandmother's garage or something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And I think like someone built this table for you. But what does this table symbolize for you in your journey? And so when I was, you know, probably must have been 15, my homeboy went to art school, came back and like told him like, yo, you can print your own T-shirts. Huh. I was like, well, you can print your what own T-shirts. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> there's this place, he's like, there's this place downtown. You can, and me and my cousin were there. We're just chilling, hanging out, probably smoking or something, whatever. And we're like, well, all right, let's do it. So we, we basically go down this path of trying to screen print T-shirts, you hmm. know? And we had had some extra wood, like my mom had tore this fence down or whatever. And, and so, we needed a table. We were just doing it on the floor at first. You know what I mean? Like it was like hurting our back. By we any didn't means. know what we was doing. <laughs> yeah. And so my cousin Brendan um, built this table for me, and literally like it was just the makeshift. Like he wasn't even a carpenter like yeah. that. You know what yeah. I mean? But this table was. We like banged out a gang of tees on this table. Like it for whatever reason. You know, I just remember that day of like he knows how to build stuff. We can mm -hmm. build this table. You know, I got these T-shirts and this screen. We're gonna screen print these T-shirts, and we literally like we would dry our T-shirts in the oven of my grandma. Wait, what do you mean? I kid you not. Like every T, we would take off because we didn't know what we was doing. Yeah. We'd take it off, and we would lay it on a cookie sheet and like <laughs> fold the sleeves in. I kid you not, and put it on the oven. So you know, the kitchen is hot now because it's yeah. been on all day, and we just like T-shirt by T-shirt, and we would like sit there and open the door like this and see if like smoke start coming out. That's when it's done. You like pull, pull it out, oh like, you know. <laughs> and so, man, my cousin Brandon like really helped just kick it off for me, man. And, and um, he would pull up regularly. My cousin Gabe, you know, and and these were cats who were like real gangbangers, you know. Mm. But they we used to just be at my my grandmother's house and just creating. Like, yo, I'm gonna help you reach your goals, you know. Wow. And they were just coming to support me, so. I always um, hold that experience in there, them really close. Pretty close, yeah. What did your grandmother think about you using the oven to bake t-shirts? She would just, she didn't know what I was doing. She just don't burn down my house, you know. Yeah, that was her yeah. thing, like just don't ruin my shit. You know? <laughs> so she was great though. She was supportive. You know, your energy for creating and bringing people together seems like something that's continued to follow you, mm -hmm. and. Maybe it was around that time or maybe a little bit later, but you were also like pulling people together through like parties mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Just be cool. Yeah. Tell me about that. So, you know, I think um, that was my brother and I, we were into just throwing parties. You know, we kind of had like, we knew a lot of girls. We knew a lot, had a lot of homies in the city, you know, and so we started throwing parties and I was like, you know what, like, I want to create kind of something people can vibe with. You know, I had like, I was a graphic designer, you know, mm -hmm. I was a self-taught designer. So, mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I'm gonna design the flyers, you know? And I started, I made this logo that just said, just be cool. And I was like, what does that mean? So I really created this kind of like, 
I redefined what cool meant to me, hmm. you know, and it was just like being positive, being peaceful, being accepting of others, you know, being accepting of yourself. And, and we just started throwing it on T-shirts and all wearing it at the parties, you know, and that's... <laughs> it was like on some, like, crew stuff, you know, yeah. like, it's like, this is the squad. Exactly, and, and it actually became, you know, like Dom one day, my boy Dom Kennedy, who I grew up with, was like, yo, I want you to talk about Just Be Cool on one of my interludes. So if you look at, listen to 25th Hour, there's a Just Be Cool interview on there and also on Future Street Drug Sounds, you know? So him doing that just kind of helped propel it like mm -hmm. globally. Mm -hmm. And so now like our LA party turned into this like oh, yeah. global brand. It's, a, it's an event, like yeah. everybody's pulling up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So, uh, and that was all literally out of my grandmother's house. A lot of people don't know, like <laughs> homies were pulling up to my grandmother's like, let yeah. me get a t-shirt, you know? And so. That was kind of the start of everything for me, I would mm. say, you know. And that kind of pairing of relationship with you and Dom, mm -hmm. how did that maybe unexpectedly help you, right? Like, I understand the idea of, like, it expanding kind of your audience, but, like, mm -hmm. in a tangible sense, what did that mean? Man, I think for a lot of things, like, first and foremost, Dom is like a big brother to me, you know what I mean? I think as a young kid at the time, he gave us a lot of opportunity and, and confidence, you know, in what we were doing. Like, he showed us that you could take this out of town. Hmm. You could take this on the road, you know. Like, he believed in what we were doing, and we believed in what he was doing. So much to the point that he attached himself to the brand, you know. It wasn't necessarily his. It was yeah, all of but ours, he but he attached himself. Yeah. Like, I believe in this movement, you know. So, you know, it showed me that, like, what I had was, was something that could go you know, global in that sense. And then also, you know, I think that it was a lot of relationships and people that we met. And I mean, we were, you know, Jefferson Park, Lamert Park with it. You know what I mean? Mm. We were throwing parties in the city. He mm. showed us like, there's another world. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we discovered, I discovered Fairfax through Dom. Through Dom. You know what I mean? Because the hundreds wanted to work, him to wear some clothes. So we were like, yeah, come up to Fairfax. We can go see these stores. And we was like, yo, what's this? Like, yeah, this it's crazy. a whole other world. Yeah, like and it's three, four miles away. We'll be like, what is this? You know? And so I discovered a lot of the world traveling with either Dom or other artists that I worked with. Totally. As you were traveling and getting that exposure, I imagine a lot of that came, you know, through graphic design, but also fashion. What were some of the brands during that time that really had an impression on you? Man, I think in that time, I would say for a lot of us, brands that had the biggest impression were like, you know, the BBC ice cream era, right? Like that was huge for us. Pharrell was like, and, you know, not going to lie, like the early streetwear brands like Diamond Supply mm -hmm. and the hundreds and all that was like influential to the young kids. You oh, know, yeah. like we were, we were definitely looked at them like, damn, this is cool. You mm -hmm. know, like that's dope to, to see that. And then there was also like a handful of, brands that I really rocked with that were owned by black owners and designers, mm -hmm. like a Lamar and Dolly and like a 10 Deep, you know, those were like, I was like, yo, this is cool. It's you know, cool. like that's fire. Cause I could relate to, the, you start to find out about the person behind it. Yep. That was kind of the beginning of that. You have like Bobby and Ben and then you have these cats. And so you're like, oh, okay. I, I relate to that guy, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So. Did you think when you saw that you were like, at that immediate moment, you're like, I want to do something like that or it was just kind of bubbling and it wasn't really that action oriented. Nah, I knew, you know, I knew from the jump because I, I definitely also had the influence of just like the, even the brands that I would say are like the original streetwear brands were like Fat Farming and Nietzsche, mm -hmm. Rockaway, oh, yeah. you know, like that's streetwear, that's, streetwear, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's what we grew still, up on. Right? Right. So, 
having seen those cats and just what they were able to do as far as build something with their crew of homies and make it a global brand. Like, mm -hmm. So I always knew I wanted to be in fashion in some way, shape or form, but I wanted to have kind of multiple verticals and music and all this sort of thing. But I discovered, you know, streetwear and graphic tees. I actually had a store called Gray One in Pasadena. And uh, and I was down there one day and I found this t-shirt and I was like, yo, this is dope. I want to make this, you know? Huh. And, uh, and yeah. It's funny how that happens. Yeah, yeah. Take me back to the time when you first discovered Fairfax. Because I think that time on Fairfax has had such an impression on you. Yeah. And you would end up opening a store mm -hmm. on Fairfax. Mm -hmm. Youth. Yep. Tell me about that. You know, Fairfax, man, had such an impact on my life and I think a lot of kids from the city mm. at the time, right? Before it went global, yeah. global, yeah. you know? What was, this is like 2013 around that probably time? like 2013, even okay. probably 10, you know, like early on, but like the hundreds even just had an office there. They <laughs> hadn't even had their first store, yeah. you know? And so around those times, we were just popping our head in the office and be like, man, they got offices, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and that was cool because it was just dope to see, you know, young cats creating businesses. But there was also an element of it that I didn't quite relate to, mm. which was just kind of the like us versus them type energy. It was like, what you mean? know, it, it was. I think like it was, in streetwear, okay. it, it, there's always kind of part had of this, this brand. Yeah. Then you were versus yeah, exactly. Okay. And you know, like I said, my grandmother was taught us like, you the one. Don't worry about. It. Don't mm -hmm. try to chase nothing else. You know. So I always had that mentality. Yeah. And so anytime I felt that from street the streetwear industry i had some resistance to it yeah but i also knew that there was still a story missing from fairfax that wasn't told yet mm. you know what i mean and it was of like the la story you know and not to say any brands don't tell that but it's like the black la story mm. you know what i mean there was there was missing like the youth of today story you know and i think that's where we came in with just be cool and when i opened the youth store my cousin reminded me one day like she was working my store and she was like, yo, don't take this lightly. Like you're mm -hmm. the first black owner on the block. You know what I mean? Wow. And I was 23 at the time, 24. 23. Yeah, I was 23, 24. Did you understand the gravity of that? I didn't. Until, when she told me that, I kind of was like, wow. And I went back to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like, it took like, like 30 seconds, a minute. We just like bask in it. But then we went back to work. What else did you want to offer through that store to the community? I wanted that store to be a portal for mm. the next generation, the future creatives, the new guys that may not necessarily have this big name or platform or whatever, but I have the store now on this block. You know, you make something dope, let's sell it here. So bringing together those different young cats that yeah. are dope, but maybe just don't have the notoriety. Yeah, like I'm the creators that are just like, like I remember one cat came in and he made so hand sewn these bucket hats. I was like, yo, those are, that's a dope hat. He's like, oh, I make it. Hmm. I was like, bro, you want to sell it here? He was like, cool. And so three, four days later, we were selling his bucket hats. You know, <laughs> and that was kind of the energy of youth, right? It was yeah. just very much like, if you make something dope, you know, we'll put it in the store. And, and you know, you had all kind of cats shopping on Fairfax, you know, and just like getting that exposure yeah. for, these, for these young it's, designers. It's a whole different thing because they wouldn't have it otherwise, right? Like it's you creating a space where you know like your network mm -hmm. and just the attention that street gets alone mm -hmm. is gonna maybe take their brand to the next place the way maybe that your relationship 
how it happened with you and Dom. Yeah. Right. Like sure. maybe it's a different scale, but yeah. the sentiment is the same. It is. It right. is. And I, like I've told you, I always wanted to wear the things nobody else had. Mm-hmm. So for me, this was even more exclusive. It was like the <laughs> underground, like young next generation. So, yeah. you know, we were able to offer that. Yeah. yeah. As things evolved, you know, over the years, how did you adjust, you know, with the shop and like trying to keep things going and, you know, whether it be, you know, on the creative side, but then also the business side, because like rent is there, insurance yeah. is there, all of that stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. I don't even know if we had insurance, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> to be completely honest with you, I think back and I was like, did I have insurance at that time? No, I probably didn't. But, you know, I will say that for me, you know, not going the traditional school route, like these were all, this was tuition. Mm-hmm. I was paying tuition, you know, mm-hmm. like just opening my own store. All them T-shirts I burned in the in the oven, yeah. you know what I mean, and just like that was my tuition, and so I had the store for a good three four years, and um, and it was a time where I just looked up and I was like, hold on, I'm doing this wrong, hmm. you know. I'm what doing, do you mean? I'm doing this wrong because I was doing everything, you know what I mean. Oh. I was I was designing everything, I was manufacturing, I was overseeing and running the store, you know. I was just. In this, you were in it. You didn't you know, even know what was happening. You were just every day, yeah. head down. It drove me crazy. Hmm. Did you feel burned out? I was burnt out. I was burnt out. And I, I literally had to like, it was for the last like six months, I would go work at like, I had an office in the back. I would go work at like coffee shops and things just to be away from it. <laughs> it, it felt, I was feeling, you know, closed in and claustrophobic just by because I hadn't built the foundation for it. You know, it was just more passion at first. Yeah. But so I think for me at the time, the best choice was to close the store down, you know, and just, I didn't tell too many people until I I wrote a quote on the, the window with this pain. I said, to the caterpillar is the end, but to the butterfly is just the beginning. When we come back, Gavin lives like a free agent. What's up, Claim of Stories fam? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of Vistaprint, right? I mean, we've been doing a lot of incredible work together to inspire entrepreneurs of color, so we hope you're paying attention. Now, when it comes to printing things, and I mean just about anything for your business, whether it's stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats, Vistaprint's got you. They print just about everything. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to the Claimant Stories podcast. So it's 2015, and now a free agent, people came knocking on Gavin's door. He even worked with YG on tour merch that would eventually become the brand 400. But of course, Gavin was never short on ideas. You know, we had already created the 400 brand, yeah. you know? And so that's when he kind of pulled me aside, called me and was like, bro, like we can do something together. Like, let's, let's really build this, you know? Wow. And so we took it serious. Wow. So you were doing that. That was going well. Yeah. But I feel like you have something in the back of your head about yeah. some other ideas. And I think that would turn into your next brand. Mm-hmm. But it didn't start maybe in the, the typical way. Mm-hmm. Like it started with a hat. Mm-hmm. Why a hat? <laughs> uh, man, because um, my vision for supervision was just to create a connective tissue 
amongst a group of creatives I really respected. Hmm. You know, there was a group of creatives that I looked up to, but were also my peers mm -hmm. that I said, yo, like, I just want you to have one of these, like, and know that this network of us, like, I always support you. You know, I hope the same back. And like, if any idea, anything comes to mind, like, I'm one phone call away. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I saw supervision as that, right? It's like the union mm -hmm. of all these people, right? It's like community of creatives. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, like probably 2015. Okay. You know what I mean? And so I just made like 50 hats, 100 hats, and just gave them out. Wow. You know, like gave them, and it ended you up. You weren't like, worried about the money of it? Nah, I wasn't. I didn't want to be, like I said, I, I needed a release from that. Mm. I needed a release from this like retail monetization. Mm -hmm. The transaction. Need, transaction. I needed a release from that. I just wanted to make something and give it to the world. Yeah. You know, and and it ended up on like Chad Hugo got one <laughs> random, you know, and, and it was like, cool, let me just keep giving. Let me just keep giving, giving. you know, because mm. at that time I had just had my daughter. Wow. And so I actually struggled with that because I felt like having a child kind of aged me and not a lot of my peers had children yet. You, because you felt like you weren't able to be in certain places or contributing a certain time to certain things? I just hadn't figured out the balance of it all. Mm -hmm. I felt like a dad at like 26, you know what I mean? Five, 26, so I, I just felt like a dad. But I also learned at the time about this term called superposition, right? Which is to be the same person to multiple people, hmm. but in a different way, mm. right? Like that genuineness or that love or whatever, like how I speak to my daughter is different than how I speak to my team, but I still encourage both of them. You mm. know what I mean? Or how I collaborate with somebody is different than how I you may speak to my fiance, but it's still partnership. You know what yeah. I mean? It's still collaboration and partnership on something different. You wouldn't look at it and say, oh, I can't believe that's him. Right. 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 You look at it and say, yeah, of course. It's the same dude. Mm -hmm. But you do have to shift a little bit, right? Because whereas in one instance, you may be looked at as like the decision maker. But in this other instance, like you, with the partner and your, my fiance, we make decisions together. together. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I learned about that right around that time, hmm. you know? It's fine when we pick up on stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, I feel like, you know, we all go through these phases. And I'm happy to have learned, you know, that lesson of, like, accountability and being authentic. Mm -hmm. And not feeling like I had to try to be all these different things. And it's okay if I, I'm not, too. <laughs> right. For sure. Right? Yeah. Going back to the brand and the hat. So... The hat is showing up on different people, mm -hmm. right? Like, I, that's pretty clear from Chad Hugo, Alaylee May, you know, like, folks are really rocking with it. And you do another one, mm -hmm. right? You do a red one. Mm -hmm. And then at what point do you decide, I think I want to expand it beyond headwear? Mm -hmm. Like, what was that? I always knew it was going to be more than headwear because it was never about apparel. <laughs> it was just more about ideas, you mm -hmm. know? And so I always knew the ideas were going to come. And when they came, I would figure out what my next release was going to be or my next offering, you know. Right. And so that was really how the brand started and went. And I always felt like it was like a current event in school. You know what I mean? It was just <laughs> like, I have a feeling and something going on in the world or whatever inspired me. It's like, oh, I want to make something about this. Hmm. You know? 
And so that was really the, the beginning of supervision. Where do you tend to lean on when it comes from what inspires you? Is there any sort of category or consistent kind of thing that you like to tell stories from a certain perspective? I think it's always from a design perspective because I always want to have some sort of functionality and like impact with it. I, try, I like to make statements, you know what I mean, with what I do. And I feel like I, I always say I'm in the business of like, I'm in the energy business, mm. you know what I mean? I like to put energy into whatever I do, mm. you know? And so, you know, graphic design being like really my foundational, you know, medium or practice, like it always starts there. Yeah. No matter what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Starts, <laughs> He's like, I gotta, I gotta draw it out. Yeah, I gotta figure that yeah. out. It starts there. It starts a sketch. It starts in Adobe Illustrator. You know, it's like, you got it starts there. Yeah. Now tell me about, there's this part where it's, it can be really hard to start a brand and then figure out how to get things made. Mm -hmm. You took it upon yourself to make stuff on your grandmother's floor in, yeah. in the oven. Yeah. Everybody's not that that crafty. Yeah, or crazy. Or <laughs> and I feel like folks run into a lot of challenges, uh, especially with like getting things manufactured. Mm -hmm. How did you start to learn that business side mm -hmm. of things? You know, after your other experiments. <laughs> so, you know, I think that I'm still learning to this day, right? I'm still learning how to make things, but my experience of just continuously doing it over and over and talking to my peers, talking to OGs that are in the industry and, and picking game from them. Yeah. I was never the type of guy to get around somebody with a brand and be like, let me get some t-shirts. You know what I mean? Like I was always the dude who was like, yo, like, how do you do that? You know what I mean? How does this work? You know? And um, that was just kind of my thing. So, you know, I, I went through a handful of brands, but my process was, and this also due to me not really going a traditional schooling route, I felt I always needed to like self-educate. So I was always inquisitive always. about, you know, how do I do this? How can I do this? I want to make something better than this. You know, mm -hmm. I want to improve on my quality of my this. So, you know, that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I'm curious. curious. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a key characteristics of folks that are in business or successful in creative pursuits is you can't come from the space of thinking that you know it all, mm -hmm. but you can come from a space of, I know someone's been here before me yeah. and someone's got an answer or perspective on how yeah. to do this thing I'm trying to accomplish, yeah. right? Even if your way is like, you have a different way of it, right? Like that's, I think that's the creative part. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's dope, but I got a, I got a different way of doing this. <laughs> for sure, 100%, 100%. So I, I definitely, man, I, I love that. You know, I love to go around people who are making things and understand how they do that or what, you know, what's their process and, and then figure it out on my own. I'm a very much in that way. I like, I like to figure it out. Yeah. I, I do spend the time trying to educate and learn it, but I find that it's most beneficial when I get to like put hands on it. Yep. Right? For sure, for sure. <laughs> give me the tools. Like, yeah. Just give me the tools, let me figure it out. Like, <laughs> well, tell me about this latest collaboration with PacSun. Mm -hmm. This is the first project where you've sort of scaled into the amount of doors that you're gonna bring your brand into. Mm -hmm. Why this project, mm -hmm. right? Like what's so important about it where you thought this is the right time to do this? You know, I chose to do this project for multiple reasons, right? First of all, as far as it being the right time for the brand, I think that 
I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure that I fully believe in the right time. Okay. Right. All the way. Right. Um, I just feel like if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, it's not the right time. Yeah. All right. But as far as how it came about and why I wanted to do this, I did a collaboration with uh, an artist, Corey, from uh, Circulate. Mm -hmm. He had a program where he had a handful of designers create this a t-shirt for him for his pop-up and pack and, and and my t-shirt did well mm. you know and so i met the guy Stuart rich who worked at pack he's head of merchandising he's from la mm -hmm. and he was like yo i've been watching you for a while <laughs> I, I really like what you're doing yeah you know and me and him kind of hit it off on that you know and like i said my we talked about this earlier but my relationships are everything mm. you know it's like if i get a good feeling about this then let's do business you know what right. i mean like and i'm not a um I don't follow what's cool. I don't need anybody to tell me like, oh, that's gonna mess up your whatever, like my, your image. Like, mm -hmm. no, nah. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not on that train, right? So, from a business standpoint, who doesn't want to scale? Hmm. You know, and with a partnership like that, that can support that type of scale, right? right? That can allow me to make things that are what I want to make. Yep. They have that backing to like manufacture at that level. I was like, you know what? And so I said. So Rich, I was like, listen, bro, I'll do this wholeheartedly. Hmm. You know what I mean? I'll be all in on it. But I need two things. Hmm. I need a full partnership, right? I don't, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not just looking for this, like, you know, just carry some of my T-shirts. Mm -hmm. It's watered down for me. It'll, yep. it'll lose the essence of what I'm trying to do. It because, won't even be impactful in the marketplace. Right. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I'm an energy person. You know what I mean? Like, I got to tell my story. and like People got to feel it. Yeah. So I need a full partnership to where we can really do this together and we have a, a mission behind this. We need to have some impact. We have to have some impact. It's got to be a purpose for me. Hmm. I don't wake up every day just to make clothes. That's not, <laughs> that's what, not what gets you out no, the bed. That's not what moves the needle for me. You know what I mean? So I need you to talk to your team hmm. and understand that has to work. We have to figure this out however that makes sense. We have to do this because that's what supervision is, right? Hmm. And so they're like, okay. I think we could figure this out. Word. Yeah. And they came back and was like, yeah, we're like, let's do it. We talked to the team. We got you. Like, let's get do it. And so we have a we have a partnership. We have a two-year partnership. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. That's yeah. fire. Yeah. So how does the impact part work, right? So collections in how many stores? A hundred stores. Hundred stores. Yeah. US domestic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred stores domestic. And a percentage of proceeds is going to support what? What's the program? So, and one thing I want to point out too about the partnership is that I own the brand still. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. they were, the partnership was not a like. It was not a sale percentage or even selling your brand. It's purely a, a partnership. I still own the brand. Yes. You know what I mean? So, from a business standpoint, that's like what we're here for, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 we, the partnership and the give back piece of what the model is, is proceeds. Are, large percentage of the proceeds will be going to our foundation, Studio Foundation, okay. right? And the Studio Foundation is basically our vehicle to then work, we've partnered with another foundation called Our Own. Mm -hmm. And Our Own is an Inglewood-based foundation really focused on uh, health and wellness for black and brown communities, mm -hmm. right? And our piece to that is the creative, right? We're really focused on like, we, what we call is creative wellness. Ah, I love this. Right? And so we partnered with them and we said, listen, 
help us find the, the students that are graduating from your program, mm -hmm. coming, which are, they're targeted on high school students. Right. And I'm like, all right, me, I was a kid who didn't go to college, didn't do all that. But that that 18 to 24 pocket is huge. Yes. And it's so overlooked. Yep. Right? It's so overlooked because everybody's like, get the young kids. And they, the 18 to 24 is like pivotal. Yes. And that was me. I needed that like mentorship. Mm. So I was like, cool. Like when they leave your program, find out what they want to do. Let's talk to them, see where they want to go, what are their interests are, right? I have these relationships in the industry, you know, I have fashion, you know, all these different all these different industries. Lanes that they lanes, get going to. Right. And all my homies want to help. They want <laughs> to support. They just need the model. I think we've all been trying to figure it out. It's like, how do we make how time do, and yep. how do we create the model that this is not too much of an undertaking right. to where we have to like say we're running a nonprofit, mm -hmm. which is a lot, but how do we create this model to where we can all just do our part in the way that we do it? And make sure we're nurturing the next talent up. Right. Yep. It's been the way, what we've all been trying to figure out. <laughs> so I was like, cool, studio can be the vehicle. Yeah. We got PAC supporting it. Our own finding the next generation, mm -hmm. right? Finding the kids that are serious about this. And we have our industry friends and partners and everybody that wants to be a part of it. So every quarter after sales come out, whatever, boom, take the sales. We can go to our own and we're like, all right, cool. This is our cohort group of young people, young creatives. And we're placing them paid internships, three-month paid internships in these industry companies that they want to work in, they're interested in. And a lot of them are like direct with the guy, you know what I mean? It's direct with, you know, 10 Summers and Mustard, you know what I mean? It's, it's with Chris Gibbs and Union, you know what I mean? Like it's Sean Weatherspoon round two, yeah. you know? It's, I mean, that's an invaluable experience. Like you can't just walk off the street and even access any of these people, let alone an internship. And that's a big piece, right? Is access, mm -hmm. right? Like access to these people and them being curious. Yeah. You know, like get in the room, be curious, like figure it out, like learn from these people. Hmm. It didn't dawn on me until after that I was creating something that was for the younger version of me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't go to school. I thought I knew everything, whatever. <laughs> I didn't need it. I wanted to <laughs> hustle and make money as a kid, you know? Yeah. And, but like this is for that younger version of myself. Yeah. What are you, in your vision of that program, what do you hope the younger you is taking away from that experience? My vision for this is for the younger me to continue to leave the door open, right? Hmm. For the younger me to appreciate the opportunity that was given to them, but don't tell me you appreciate, show me you show appreciate me. by doing your best. Hmm. Show me you appreciate by becoming who I and we all know you can be. Hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's the best way to tell somebody that they inspired them is like by becoming something, by doing something with your time, by making an impact in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that is where, what I hope that these kids do and inspire the next generation, you know? I love it, man. I love to keep the door open. Yeah. Cause you know, we don't need any more gatekeepers. No, <laughs> no. We don't need any more gatekeepers. Where do you see or where would you like to see our industry move forward, whether it's streetwear, culture, fashion. What do you hope that looks like next? I hope that we can figure out how to build or models around the businesses that AR have an impact on 
the world, like a positive impact can help the next generation. But also, I want to see us like the industry itself, like, I, that's why I did this collab with Chris, right? Yeah. This like this super union thing. Right? Yeah, it's like, which I love, by the way. <laughs> that collab was like no egos. Mm -hmm. It was like an OG having respect for me and me obviously having so much respect for him and be like, what can we do together? Right. You know, like not, we're not looking at social media following. It's just like mutual respect. What can we do together? And I hope that, you know, these big corporations can realize their power and their responsibility and take more risks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I hope that, you know, these, the younger generation can kind of also put the ego aside and, and partner with some of these cats in a way that it's like, oh, we can do good together. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's this like anti-element of like streetwear and also like there's gatekeepers, you know? And I think that we need to all just realize there's enough for everybody. That was Gavin Matthew, a creative who does everything for his city. Find out more about Gavin and get access to all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review us. Stay up to date with our latest news following us on Instagram at Claim of Stories, or you can reach out with a message at hello at claimastories.com. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fragozo, Pervy Patel, Natalie Yazzie, Jericho Trim, and the team over at DB Podcasts. Original music provided by Adrian Anaya and vocals provided by Rosella. Special thanks to Jordan Dinwiddie, Cena Clark, Clint Blaine, and Damian Mitchell. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to the Claim of Stories podcast, powered by Vista. Vista.